Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast uh, today. Parents' influence upon their children. That's my topic. You know, as parents, we all want to influence our children. We know that we influence our children, but we want to influence our children most positively, most constructively, and we want to know how to do it. We want to know if we're doing it. We want to know how well we're doing it. We want to know the benefits of doing it, or whether we could do it better than we usually do. Can we actually improve how we influence our children, particularly young children? Now, obviously, parents need to be home to influence their children. Parents that work 60 to 80 hours a week, combined, father and mother, have little influence upon their children. And in fact, those children are at risk. Research has shown this considerably to be the case. But under the normal circumstances of one parent working or two parents working in a moderate number of hours, that is 40 to 60 hours total, they have a positive influence upon their children, or they can have a positive influence upon their children if they just address it, just focus on it, and make that a priority, make that a concern, make that a very vital part of family life, influencing your children for good, for the good, for their good. That's really the issue. Now, in addressing this question, how parents influence young children, we turn to the research of Norma Radin. Radin. Now, she's a social worker in the Department of Social Work at the University of Michigan. And she's addressed this issue in her research for many years, coming up with patterns and styles and uh, actually recommendations and so on for parents to follow if they're going to have a positive influence upon their children compared to parents who do not have positive influence upon their children. So she's done a lot of research, and we kind of read her stuff and look at her research as we consider this particular question. Now, let me just kind of tick off a number of things that she recommends on the basis of her research with young families. Here's what she says. Number one, discuss with your children. Don't dictate. Now, here's the point. We often want to tell children what to do. It's easy. It's the quickest way. It's a, it's a shortcut to get things done. Just tell them what to do. Well, that will turn children against you as a parent. So it's much better to approach a topic, to approach an issue from the point of view of discussion so that there is a problem-solving mode within that discussion. So here's a problem. How are we going to address it? Here's a desire that I have. How can we handle this? Here's something that I would like to have happen. Now, how can we do that? That's discussion. And allow your children to make decisions. And then, of course, accept the consequences of those decisions. So discuss, but don't dictate you know, to your children. Keep your discussion very live and very active and very vital in your interactions with your child. If you find yourself dictating, telling them what to do, back off. That doesn't, that's not very helpful. Here's what she says secondly. Tell children what you expect of them. You know, obviously, you expect certain things of your kids, certain chores you expect of them, bedtime you expect, homework you expect, to be treated positively, respectfully, you expect that, that they treat their friends, their family, extended family members with dignity and respect. There are lots of things you expect of your children. Well, tell them. You know, expectations that you have for your children should not be a secret. They should not be withheld from them. That should be part of open discussion that your child totally knows and hears and considers and thinks through 
what you expect of them in all kinds of different situations. It's kind of like going out to a restaurant for dinner. There are certain expectations. Like going to a library, there are expectations of behavior. Going to an athletic event, there are expectations there as to how to behave and so on. So whatever the situation is, whatever your desires are, whatever your uh, plan is for your children, you have expectations, tell them. Help them understand. And then praise them when they fulfill those expectations. That's what the key is. Reward and praise and affirm them whenever your expectations are fulfilled, particularly if you've had that discussion. Now, if you have never talked about that, and a child does something that is in keeping with your expectations, well, then just tell them and say, well, I never told you this, but I really do expect you to. Okay, here's the third point. Be predictable as a parent. You know, kids don't need uncertainty. They don't need a lot of fluctuation. They don't need the fact that you do one thing one day and a different thing another day. Or that you grant privilege one day and you don't not, do not grant that same privilege another day. Or you grant privilege to one child, but not to another child. You see? Children want you to be predictable. And then they can follow that line of thinking or that line of expectation much better. The more predictable you are, the more predictable your expectations are, the more predictable your demands are, the more predictable your behavior is, the more that child has comfort and has security and will feel uh, that he or she is, in fact, fulfilling your wishes and pleasing you and making you happy, which is what they really want to do anyway. Here's another point that uh, Dr. Rankin uh, introduces. She says, if parents are going to have influence on their own children, admit and be ready to admit and be prepared to admit that you are wrong when you make a mistake. Sure, we make mistakes. Sure, we overjudge or we overreact. We overthink things. We wait too long to carry out an action or make a decision. If that's wrong because you expected or you, you led your child to th- expect something different, then you need to apologize and you need to admit that you were wrong on this. Children need to learn that it's okay to make a mistake and admit it and recover from it through forgiveness, okay, and through admitting. Here's another one that uh, Dr. Rankin indicates. Each parent should spend time individually with each child in the home. Now here's the deal. If you have a boy, a girl, no matter what age they are, take them out for lunch, take them out for breakfast, take them out for ice cream, take them out on a shopping trip, take them out on a, to an event by themselves, not with all the siblings joining in, but by themselves. Have alone time with each child. Of course you have family time with all kids in the family and with all family members. But every child should have some alone time with dad and alone time with mom. And they're different. Dads do certain things. Moms do certain things. So make sure that your child spends time with you alone. And if you are a grandparent and listening, do the same thing. Make sure your grandparents, your grandkids, have special time with you as a grandparent. Kids like special attention. Kids like to have time alone where you don't have to compete with somebody for attention or compete with somebody for discussion or talk or for your attention. So they like it. Kids like it. Take them out. Do something with them alone each week, every other week, every third week, but be consistent and do it regularly. Now here's another one. Listen to the kids talk, but keep your criticism minimal. Okay? 
Allow them to express their feelings. Allow them to express their opinions without you having to judge that feeling or that opinion as being right or wrong, good or bad. Just listen. Let kids talk. Let kids express themselves. Let them kids learn to express themselves. That will pay off well into the future as you are a talking family, as you are a listening parent, as you are an encouraging parent for conversation. You want your kids to converse. You want your kids to think out loud. You want your kids to be a uh, person of thought and thoughtfulness and communication. So get them to talk. Encourage them to talk. Be with them when they're talking. Listening while they're talking, but non-judgmentally. You don't need to add criticism to whatever point of view they might express. Just listen. In time, you can have some times of discussion and debate and back and forth. But keep your criticism minimal. Kids will quiet down if you're critical. Kids won't talk if you're critical. Kids will be very leery of you totally if you're a critical parent. So keep your criticism down, but keep it as part of discussion, okay? And here's a very important one. Dr. Varinkin says, provide, good yourself as a, provide yourself as a good example to your children of good behavior, of appropriate behavior. Be a good example. Children learn by imitation, and they'll learn by honest, kind, and sensitive behavior by you as a parent. Behave towards others in a way that you would want your children to behave towards others. Let them model you. Let them use you as an example. Let them you be an example to them so that they know how to behave socially and in different kind of social situations. They'll learn from you. And then you'll be happy, they'll be proud, and things will go well. But be a good example of appropriate behavior. Whatever you want of them, you do yourself. Okay? No. That goes in the verse. If you don't want your kids to do certain kind of things, then don't you do them either. Okay? You can't live a double life. Whatever you want your child to be or to do and not do, that's what you live like. That guides you in your behavior. And here's the last thing she says. Be consistent. Be consistent. Children learn to be trustworthy when they imitate the actions of their parents. The parents that they can trust and know that the parent will follow through. So be consistent. Help your child be reassured that what you say you mean, what you promise you're going to fulfill, what you do today, you're going to do tomorrow. The behavior that you act like today, you're going to act like tomorrow as well. Okay? That brings about security in your child. That means you're a predictable parent. That means you're a teaching parent. It means you are a parent of great influence upon your child. Now, no parent is perfect. But by trying to follow these little guidelines that I've just set forth, parents can help their children develop their own self-esteem, their own self-worth, their own self-value, and the social behavior patterns that are so important as they move out into the world as an individual as they increase in their age. Now, a couple of things that Dr. Rankin addresses, which I think are very important and something that you need to kind of take into consideration. Sometimes girls, she found, to be much more a much more likely to suffer from what is called learned helplessness. 
She found that girls tend to be more helpless and to think of themselves as not being able to do something and use the phrase, I can't do it. But on the other hand, she found boys to say things like, I could do it if I tried. I could do it if I wanted to. I could do it if I put forth more effort. Where girls tended to take that position, I just can't do it. I don't have the ability. I don't, I don't have the characteristics. I don't have the traits. I don't have the intelligence to do it. That's how girls thought. So she called that kind of learned helplessness. They learned to be helpless. Now some other research, interestingly, found that girls at age 15, at age 15, give up on being good in math. They gave, they gave up being mathematicians. They said after that, age 15, most of the girls could not think of themselves as being capable in the area of mathematics. So they don't, they don't enter careers and occupations that are based upon mathematics, even though they could do it, even though they're just as capable of learning mathematics as any guy or anybody else. But if they think they can't, then they don't try and they won't. And in that particular research, they took a number of women that excelled in mathematics. One of the girls at age 15 excelled in mathematics and continued to study mathematics. And she was one of the lead researchers in the area of aeronautics and getting us to the moon as a country. Another girl at age 15 buckled down and took on math and continued to study it. And she's responsible for the uh, cataract removal and the implantation of a lens in the inner eye. You know, girls over the years have contributed enormously to our country, to the advancement of our country. We could just take time to enumerate all those. But you know, it's only because somebody helped that girl say, I can do it. I'm going to try. If I try harder, I can do it. If I try it this way, I can do it. If I try it that way, I can do it. Giving that sense of, you can do it. And the important thing to understand is that generally comes from the father. That motivation, we call it achievement motivation, in girls, comes from the father who says to the kid, you can do it, try it, go for it, I'll support you, I'll back you up, I know you can do it, try harder, I'll help you, let's do it together. And when fathers do that to a girl, that girl takes on what we call achievement motivation and goes on and excels and becomes a successful woman in many areas of life. So address that issue in your home and in your relationship with your kids that learned helpless. Don't let any of your kids say, I can't do it, I'm not able. Make sure your kids always say, I can do it if I try harder, so I'm going to try harder. Help me try harder. Help me work harder. Help me work smarter. And then they can do it. Okay? Now here's one other point that Dr. Rankin indicates. Studies show that children attribute their failure to these uncontrolled factors in their life. That is, things that they can't do anything about. Let's say the lack of ability, the lack of interest, or the lack of capability, or the lack of language, 
you know, or the lack of uh, energy or whatever it might be. If they have those kind of factors operating in their life, they think of it that way, they will not succeed. But they'll much more likely to succeed if they see it something that they can control. That is, they can get up early in the morning, they can study, they can study a little bit later at night, they can put the earphones down and focus better on their studies. You know, they can stay after school and get some help. They can get tutoring and get some help. If there's something that you can do to help you succeed and you do those things, you will succeed. So you see that as our things that you can control. You can always study more. You can always get a tutoring. You can always get okay, you know, a mentor or somebody to help you. And if you do those things, you're more likely to succeed. So get the help you need. Don't sit there and say, well, I can't do it, so therefore I'm just going to have to curl under and just put up with it. No, get the help you need. Very, very important that we do that, okay? Anyway, nice to have you uh, join me today on the uh, podcast, How Parents Influence Young Children. We have an influence on our kids. We can have a better influence on our kids. We can have a more powerful influence on our kids. If we follow some of these guidelines I've just elucidated. So get on with it. Be an effective parent. Be a good parent. Be a positive parent. Be an effective, influential parent on your child or your children. Do it every day. But make sure that you as a parent see yourself as a capable parent who can influence your children. Who will influence your children will try to influence you, will work at influencing your children. And you know what? It'll be a winner for everybody. Hey, nice to have you join me, and uh, don't forget to go to my website, www.booksbyhedberg.com. In there, you'll find a number of books. One is titled Kids Alive. teaches you as a parent how you can help your children develop values. And there's another book, Dr. Teach Me to Parent. It's a nice little book on ways in which you as a parent can deal with issues and problems within the family, within the home, and within your child and address them in a very constructive, positive way. A number of other books there that may be of interest to you as well, but those are certainly two that would be very important if you are a parent and need a little help or would like to have some help so you can be better. It's not a matter of being a parent. It's a matter of being the best parent you can and work at it and work at it together. Anyway, bye for now.